Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Enterprise Architecture Radio. If you're thinking about organizational complexity and agility, if you're concerned about operational efficiencies and thinking of taking it to the next level, if managing innovation is one of your priorities, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we talk about all of that and more. It's a jungle out there, and we'll attempt to navigate this jungle of frameworks, methods, and most importantly, enterprise architecture in practice. Today I wanted to talk a little bit about organizational design, more specifically from the standpoint of capability modeling. This was actually a question a couple of days ago uh, on one of the enterprise architecture radio communities requesting me to talk about capability modeling. So I thought I would take it up. Now the word capability can be interpreted in many ways when it comes to enterprise architecture. There is there is capability and then there is business capability. And then there is capability mapping. There is capability mapping with value streams. There is capability-based planning. There is enterprise architecture capability. So, so many things. But if you get to the root of the word capability, the word literally means the ability of an organization to do something. And when I talk about organization, I don't mean a company, a legal entity. What I really mean is an organization. An organization could be a department. It could be a business function. It could be a team. It could be a combination of all of this, and that's what a capability really is. An organization, if you look at the definition of organization, is a group of people working together to achieve a common objective. So the word capability means the ability of an organization to do something. Now, enterprise architecture is a capability. Finance is a capability. Recruitment is a capability. So why is the word capability so important from an enterprise architecture standpoint? Why am I even talking about it? This takes me to the idea of organizational design. Usually organizations are designed organically. What that means is uh, when the organization grows, it acquires new capabilities. Somebody decides that we need a new team here to do something like marketing or whatever and we need a new team who takes care of branding and there is one more team we need who will take care of technologies and and so on and so forth and that's how the organization grows you know new departments are formed new teams are formed new processes are created and so on and so forth is that the best way to design an organization for a small to medium-sized organization it is not really an issue i will not talk about whether it's best or not but i'm going to say that it's not a point of contention. You're, there are more important things that you're focused on when you are a small to medium-sized organization, trying to increase your, expand your scope, expand your business, whatever it is that you're doing. And so organizational design is not really something that you think about very often. But slowly what happens is organization becomes more complex. The number of capabilities increases, people increase, technologies being used increase, your market increases, the number of products that you own increases, services that you provide, etc. And things start becoming more and more complex. To give you an example, usually how organizations are designed are you hire someone to take care of something. Let's say you hire a marketing head and then you let the marketing head build his own team. 
So what happens is he'll go and say, okay, I need five people. One will take care of branding. One will take care of advertising. One will take care of sales. One will take care of content. And one will take care of something else, right? So that is your marketing team. And then let's say you have research and development as an organization and you hire a R&D head. And the R&D head is building his own team. So he's going to say, I'm going to need X, Y, Z, to take care of these things. And I also need somebody to take care of content. I want somebody to talk about what we are doing as far as our research and development is concerned. And then you hire someone for something else and they also have. So now what you have is you've got multiple teams taking care of content in multiple corners of the organization. And this is redundancy. And this is just one example that I'm giving you of redundancy. Because you're building the organization or you're designing the organization top down. You're hiring somebody, you're allowing that person to build the team and they're going to build the team without looking at what exists, what not or what have you, right? They want their own team, they want their own people. And this is a very crude example because, well, if I'm going to be the marketing head and if I'm thinking that I need content writing capabilities, then I'm going to first look and see if there is already that capability within the organization or not. This is just a logical thing to do. But, you know, um, this is just a crude example. There are many different ways where redundancies in capabilities come up. You know, it could be because of a merger or an acquisition or a divestiture, or it could be simply that, you know, we did not know that this already existed and we created a new one. Capability-based planning is a exercise where it forces you to look at these things, right? It forces you to document all the capabilities that you have within the organization first, you know, so you don't hire someone and then ask them to build the team. What you really do is you first map all the capabilities that you have within the organization because nobody's really looking at the entire organization and all the capabilities that exist within the organization. People are siloed in their vision and they would be naturally because the organization has become big and complex and and every head of function needs to look at their own function. So that's what, and things happen slowly and organically and the complexity keeps on increasing and the redundancies keep on increasing and, and that leads to waste. So what enterprise architecture does is it says, no, you know, let's first build a capability map. Let's try to f- figure out all the capabilities that exist within the organization and write them down on a piece of paper. And when I say piece of paper, what I really mean is some enterprise architecture tool or some repository or what have you. And then let's try to see where all these capabilities are being used and let's start mapping them. And that is what you call capability modeling or capability mapping. You know, you try to understand which department uses which capability, which department provides which capability and so on and so forth. And then based on that, you come up with horizontals and verticals where you have shared services that can be used across multiple organizations and and you have specific verticals which are unique to to what they do and so on. And that is basically what capability-based planning is. And what it really does is it eliminates redundant capabilities and improves efficiencies. There is also the concept of value streams. So there is processes and there is value streams. Processes are more detailed where you try to understand each and every step within the process and everything, all the people and everything. Value streams are really streams 
of how an organization delivers value right and what is value every organization will have different definition of value for some it is money for some it is sales growth for example marketing team would consider sales growth as value manufacturing would probably look at volumes and quality as value it would probably look at how they can improve efficiencies of business processes as value so every organization will have their own definition of value but every organization will also have their own way of delivering value there will be steps in the value delivery process so if you take the recruitment example right there will be multiple steps in the recruitment example first there will be a a position created and then in the next step the hr would be notified or the recruitment or the staffing team would be notified about a new position being created with the job description and everything and then the staffing team will work with the 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 hiring manager to truly understand what kind of candidate they are looking for so there will be that interaction so you know that will be another step then they will publish this uh, position either internally or externally or both then they will accept resumes right and then they will shortlist resumes they will initiate the interview process the interviews would be taken and then they will identify a candidate hire the candidate onboard the candidate so these are different steps that you have in the hiring process and this is the value stream right it's a stream of value adding activities and how value is being delivered by the organization now once you've created a value stream what you can do is you can map it against the business capabilities that we have within the organization so if you just take the example that we took uh, let's say it's hiring a position is created within the let's say project management organization within it right we are assuming that there is a pmo organization within it and a position has been created i would like to hire a program manager right now this is notified to the staffing team which means staffing team is involved so one of the business capabilities would be staffing we would also have to set up a budget for this particular candidate so finance team would also be engaged so finance capability is also engaged in this step and then in the next step um, there is a conversation between the project management team and the staffing team so those two capabilities and then in the next step we have and so on and so forth so we continue through each step within the value stream each value adding activity and what are the business capabilities which are engaged in each step of the value stream this gives you a clear picture of all the different capabilities that are engaged in a particular value stream and then you make a list of value streams for each organization staffing would initiate some of the value streams project management team would initiate some of the value streams finance function would initiate some of the value streams manufacturing function would initiate some of the value streams and so on and so forth so now we have a a a list of all the value streams that exist within the organization and how they interact with each other how they work with each other and then these value streams can be detailed out further to create processes you know so so we have a notation called bpml which is business process modeling notation right or business process modeling language we can use the bpml to model 
all the different value stream activities and create business processes which are complex and then we can then overlay them with various applications various data and various technologies uh, that exist within the organization that inter that that interact with these processes so it all begins at business capability mapping goes on to value stream mapping and then could later on be converted into bpml and what have you so that is really uh, this is one of the aspects of business architecture but i just wanted to briefly talk about business capabilities business capability mapping business capability based planning uh, value streams value stream mapping and then finally converting it into a business architecture there's a lot more to business architecture than just business capabilities and value streams and probably we'll continue to talk about all these things in the future episodes uh, if you've liked this episode then don't forget to like share and subscribe to the podcast share it with your friends family colleagues people who are interested in this kind of stuff and continue to talk to me because all these podcast ideas that i get all the episodes that i cover these are ideas that i get from my listeners and once again i would like to remind you that enterprise architecture radio is less a podcast and more a collaboration platform so we should continue to talk to each other um, we should guide each other learn from each other but most importantly we should have fun that's all i have for you today folks i hope you enjoyed the show more about organizational agility innovation and enterprise architecture in the practical world in the business right here on the show but before i end the show i want you to help me out with this one little thing pause the show and share this podcast via whatsapp or text message with at least one person who might be interested in the show it could be anyone your colleague your boss someone in your team that's all i ask just one share with one message via text or whatsapp or any social media of your choice and it would go a long way in supporting this podcast and growing this listener base also please don't forget to follow the podcast that way you'll get notified when we publish a new episode If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at enterprisearchitectureradio.com. If you have ideas, thoughts, disagreements, please feel free to write to me directly. Uh, we also have a Telegram group if you would like to contribute to the EA discussions or what have you. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio on Telegram. Or the URL to join the group is https://t.me/enterprisearchitectureradio. While our contact details are there in the show notes, We are very easy to find. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio anywhere. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, even Discord. Once again, I hope you had fun and I'll see you in the next one.